gold, jewels, jewelry, that sort of thing. I said, I wonder if there's anything that's more important that could have been that treasure. Dove Faith Cafe. Real stories by real people. Welcome to Dove Faith Cafe. I'm Marie. You'll hear more from me later. First up today, a story from Jessie. Although Jessie was one of our storytellers at our live events, she recorded this story later. In this story, Jessie finally discovers what her mother understood years before. She finds her greatest treasure. Sit back and enjoy The Greatest Treasure. What is your greatest treasure? For me, it's my mother who changed her entire spirituality just for me. My mother was raised Baptist and Methodist, and when I was born, she was attending a Methodist church. And it worked really well for us for a while. But as I grew up, hit around the age of two, I started going to Sunday school. And my mom started noticing a trend. She would drop me off and I would sing a couple songs about Jesus, maybe draw a picture, color picture of Jesus, and then she'd pick me up, and the next week we would do it all over again. And she realized that she wanted me to have a deeper spiritual connection with God than just coloring a picture of Jesus. So she started looking around the area for the best religious curriculum, despite the denomination. She wanted to know what the best one in the area was. And that happened to be Catechesis of the Good Shepherd at an Episcopal church in central Arkansas. So she went to this church, joined the church, allowed me to be part of this children's curriculum. And something you should know about my mother, she's never a uh, halfway person. She doesn't do anything halfway. She does things headfirst, jumping in. And so not only did I join this program, but she joined this program too. She became an instructor and did not one, not two, but six summers worth of training to be certified teach this program. And for me, as an eight-year-old at the time, I was selfish. I couldn't understand why she had to go all the way to Chicago to <laughs> do this program that kept her away from me for so long. But I was patient, and I waited, and she came back, of course, every year. And then, when she came back after her sixth summer, she decided that she had a new calling. She thought this program was too good just to have at one church. She began going to a church, finding the people, the resources, the items they needed, starting an atrium, and then moving. And this was a fantastic gift to our community. A ton, at least four of the churches in our community over the course of my middle school years got this program because of her. Again, though, I was selfish. I couldn't understand why we couldn't just stick with one church. As soon as I would get settled in one place, I would start alkaliding. I would make some friends in that church. It almost immediately felt like we were moving right after. But I knew it was important. I knew it was something she needed to do. So I continued, and I was patient. <laughs> well, fast forward to my college years. I am 
moved to Angola, Indiana to Trine University. And I walk into our Episcopal church there in Angola at Holy Family Episcopal. And I find that they are in need of a children's curriculum. So what do I do? I become my mother. (laughs) I told them, of course, I know this great curriculum (laughs) and I can go to training and bring the curriculum to you. And that's what I did. And as I'm going through training, as I'm finding the people to help me with this program, as I'm finding each little individual item that goes in here, I, my heart just wasn't in it. I knew it was something that was good. I knew it was something that this church needed and a service that I was providing. And still, my heart wasn't in it. So it wasn't until... Uh, Fast forward six months into this program, and we're doing parables, the parable of the hidden treasure specifically. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this parable, this is about a man who goes out into a field and sells all that he has to buy a treasure that he finds in the field. And so I asked them, I said, what could be so important that he would need to sell everything he has just to have that one treasure. And I got some of the usual responses of things that's more important that could have been that treasure. And one of my kids who's in this class, he just raises his hand and goes, oh, I know the answer. And I go, really? What's the answer? And he says, my little brother, he is the most important person in my life. He is my treasure. And it was such an amazing moment. My heart was so, so filled. And I finally understood why all those years this had been happening. I finally understood why it was so important for us to hop churches. I understood why we needed this program. The beyond this, the better part of the story is that that child's mother actually happened to be in helping in the classroom that day and she comes up to me with tears in her eyes and goes oh thank goodness I thought they hated each other and this is why I found this program this is how this program came to be here and this is the true treasure that we share together that time with those children thank you If you have a faith story you'd like to tell, go to our website at dovefaithcafe.org to find out how you can share your story. Welcome, everyone. Uh, My name is Marie Gambetta, and I'm the co-host of the Dove Faith Cafe. And with me is Jordan Trendleman, my co-host. And Pleasure as always. Thank you. Joining us today is Bishop Susan Haynes. She serves as the Bishop of the Diocese of Southern Virginia. Hello. And we are so happy to have you today, Susan. Glad Thank to be you. here. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So let's talk about Jessie's story. You know, unlike some of the other stories that we hear, her her story is not filled with tragedy and heartbreak, and she doesn't have a St. Paul getting knocked off your horse moment, but there's, it's definitely a faith story, and there's definitely some conversions and transformation. 
And um, do either of you want to start with with something that that touched you about this story? For me, and, and, and re-listening again, because it's been, it been a little while since I heard Jesse's story, uh, you know, kind of to what you just spoke to, in the spectrum of our stories that we had presented for a live audience, Jesse's story was definitely the kind of palate cleanser of the evening. It is such a pleasant um, and affirming uh, story. But I think that if we let it be kind of like pigeonholed into that that position, we really miss out on, on some really cool uh, stuff that's going on here about the way that we um, you know, that our our idea of service within the church is something that can be taught. It's something that's part of a continuation of activity that's passed from one generation to the next. And also that this idea that like those truths uh, that 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 very young man came to uh, at the end of her story about the role that his brother has in his life wasn't something that was taught or instilled into him, but instead the church provided language for him to realize it in a very real and profound way. And I think that just kind of speaks to some inherent truths about how we go about teaching uh, in a church context. So uh, it, it, as simple and as sweet as it is, it, it has really profound implications to it. I couldn't, couldn't have put it better myself, Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> One of the things that I was struck by um, was that even though initially Jesse felt very called to this service and it's seemingly passionate about it, uh, she did reach a point where her heart was not in it, and she talked about that and didn't really quite know what to do about that. And um, I think that that is 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 part of the Christian spiritual experience that you reach you reach these times when there just isn't the spark, or you're walking in kind of a wilderness, and and the goal is to be faithful even in the midst of that. And sometimes it's not about the passion or the spark. But, um, you know, Jesse was faithful, and, and in the end, uh, that produced fruits. And, and as, uh, as Jordan mentioned, that story about the, the two brothers, just really very sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love that. The, the thing about Jesse's story that really strikes me when I hear it is her obedience. And I mean, the big O, yes. right? Yes. So, she's she was ob even in her childhood you know you know i i was patient she said that several times you know my mom had to do this and that and i really wanted her attention but but i was patient and then yeah. later, it was patient and then when when she was her heart wasn't in it she was duty bound which is another way to say patient right until the spark happened because I think she knew that she was it was heading towards something and you know we talk about obedience in terms of Saint Benedict sometimes and how yes even mm -hmm. we don't feel it you know you were talking Susan about the wilderness times even when we don't feel it when we're obedient anyway <laughs> even mm -hmm. though it's not frosting you know and the and the ice cream part of our of our faith we do it anyway because it's good for us it's the meat and potatoes and we do it and it pays off and it, it really, and, and she had such a joyful paying off there that I, I she did. That. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this inherent merit in just showing up, you know, that there right. is, that there is, and that, that there's like, like you're saying that there's moments where it doesn't feel like what we want to do, but often we're glad that we did. And even on a better, better day or a better Sunday, we, we find that, that spark again. Yeah. 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 yeah I would agree with that. Yeah. 
Um, I, I love how she had this recognition that she had become her mother. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> well, don't we all? <laughs> right. Our mothers and our fathers, we become yes. this. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that, you know, God knew how to speak to her heart. He knew what she needed. And having those two kids in that classroom on that day and their mother there I mean what a gift to their mom too mm -hmm. and you should when it, when she was telling this story live she sort of had her arm you know she was the little brother putting his arm around the bigger brother saying he's my treasure too you know I mean it was just Aww. just adorable and it's it's um they got it you know and and like you said Jordan the church gave them language to to talk about what that is and to recognize that at a very young age. And there's some, there's some aspect of that that even I think even speaks to the whole idea behind what, what we're doing with the faith cafe and that, that when we find language for our own experiences of God, we're, we're, we're giving permission and empowering people to do, to do the same, you know? And so in another way that, that I find Jesse's story to just be really invaluable to this whole experience for me and, and, and witnessing all these people um, giving giving permission to one another to be vulnerable and being giving permission and that that every story of like big revelation doesn't have to always come in the midst of, of pain and suffering you know that it can right. be in these simple these simple moments where we recognize in somebody else that they've recognized it you know and that's yeah. and that mutual recognition is powerful and it's the kind of like the cornerstone of, of what community can be you know and it, it's just it's just great Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that that her mother planted all of these programs in Arkansas and, and probably everywhere they traveled, right? Right. And, and right. that was to those churches. Have you been a part of that, Susan? I, I know you've done children's ministry before. Have you been part of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? I am not a trainer for Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. My children both participated in that in a couple of different churches that we were in. Uh, I mean, I know it to be an excellent curriculum. Uh, one of the things that struck me in, in Jesse's story is just the power of story itself. I mean, when you're dealing with children who are that age, of course, they don't, they don't get abstract ideas if you teach them abstractly. But if you tell a story, they will certainly get it as that brother did. I mean, he understood that treasure meant something that was more valuable than anything else in his life. And he was able to make that connection to his brother just through hearing the story and, and, and not being, you know, told the inherent definitions about treasure and what that means. Right. That he had somehow stumbled upon the second half of our great commandment. Jesus gives us to love each other. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, he, he stumbled across this fundamental spiritual truth of our faith and he did it through this, this parable, this story is just, yeah. a, it's, it's great. It's it's no it's no uh, mis it's no um, accident that Jesus communicated through parables. You know that's that's how people learn. We love that's story. Right. That's mm -hmm. why Dove Faith is so powerful for people because we're learning about our own faith through hearing other people's stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How often you know we were talking again about this conversion experience. How often these little stories, little, little stories like this, and, and even smaller than this story, how often they happen to us and they just go by because we don't share them with other people and we don't reflect on them. You know, 
when you think about, oh yeah, it, 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 it seems for me anyway, when I stop and, and think about something, some moment of grace that happens in my day, and I, and I make the time to pause and thank God for that, it, it, it inflates a bit, if you know what I mean. It, it becomes more meaningful to me. It becomes more important. And, and I think that, you know, we talk about how sometimes bad things happen and they pile and they pile and they pile. Well, good things do too, for whatever reason, we pay more attention to the bad things. But, but if we can stop, if I can stop and acknowledge those good things and let those build up and build up and build up, it seems to me that, um, that we'll come to a point, a turning point or a, or a, a tipping point where we realize, you know, there's a lot of good things, a lot of grace happening in our lives that maybe we're just not paying enough attention to. Does that make sense? I, I think for, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think when we're uh, kind of swimming through the stuff in our day, we don't often see what's going on. And it's only when we're able to kind of rise above it a little bit and and look that we begin to see the patterns of the way God's moving in our lives. And that's why that's why I find spiritual direction to be so important, because very often those directors who walk with us can help us back up and take the big picture look that we're not able to see uh, in the midst of things. Uh, and then you mentioned you mentioned gratitude. Gratitude is like a gravy that makes everything better, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, Susan. Your southern roots are showing. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's spiritual gravy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, like... I, and I think it's important too, like in our life of prayer and and in our practice of prayer, that we set aside those times for stillness to take those kinds of inventory. Because I think that like it's far too often that uh our inventory at least and i know for me and i'm sure other people but the, the, our inventory more becomes a list of grievances grievances than it does a, a list of, of praise and adoration for the things that we've received and so you know being being here in my experience that i'm having now like having more pauses for for uh that that inventory of of good things uh has, has been super super beneficial and really and really grace-filled and i think that um it's almost counterculture in a way. You know, when you turn on the news, it's never a big news broadcast about how everything went right in this little town right. in Ohio or something. I mean, it's always, yeah. it's just always some, a, a list of grievances. And and, and so a, a story like Jesse's is just a breath of fresh air about when things went right. And that's, and exactly. that's a great story yeah. to tell. And I, and I think if we look for it and we pause and we take the time to to, to inventory it, we'll find like, like Maria is saying that there's, far more instances of that than we typically give lip service to. And, I, and that's important. Yes. To yeah. Well, very well said. So um, do either of you have, I know, I know you Jordan with summer camp, uh, Susan and I suspect you do too, have experience working with children on a regular basis um, daily. Are you talking about currently? Uh, no, no, no. In your past. Oh, I mean, aside yes. from your own kids, it's like in, as a teacher or as a Sunday school right. teacher or as a counselor or something like that. Yes, yeah, so I I um I worked for many years before uh, going into the priesthood. I worked for many years as a um, a mental health counselor for seriously emotionally disturbed children. Okay. Um, and then uh, yes, I've I've certainly done my turn teaching Sunday school as the parent of children who were participating in those programs and yeah. really enjoyed that. And I've I've worked as a chaplain as a chaplain at our. Uh, diocesan summer camp uh, when I was in northern Indiana. So mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And Jordan, you, I know you were a camp counselor. You were living with those kids day in and day out for a couple of weeks and a lot of stinky yeah. feet in that situation. <laughs> yes. Although they did, they did pretty good. My cabin, my cabin seemed to do pretty good. Um, oh, good. But I was, I mean, that, that's not something that I would ever profess to having uh, tons of experience with. I've worked with a lot of high school age kids in a workplace where I worked where, where I was their boss and, and yeah. things like that. But um, kids, particularly of that age that we're talking about, that would be at the diocesan summer camp this last summer. Uh, I mean, just, you know, you go into that situation thinking that you're going to, you, you're hoping you can impart some bit of of teaching or wisdom with these kids and you just leave completely having been taught by by them and, and, yep. and, and taught by their their humility and their and their tenderness and their um ability to adapt and 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 respond to the needs of each other in ways that us as adults pale pale in comparison to be able to execute on a daily basis in my experience and so uh, i just left really um touched I mean, at the most, their vulnerability, their ability to just be very uh, raw and open with each other. And I think that that's, some, that's one of the blessings of, of youth that the world can slowly but surely take from you uh, if, if you're yeah. not careful and, and guarding of it. So, um, yeah, that's really awesome experience. When you, when, you, when you walk away and you realize you've learned more than you've imparted, that's how you know you're doing it right. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, that's good to know. Teacher <laughs> and a Sunday school teacher, and and all of those kinds of things, and I find that, um, you know, any job is fraught with its ups and downs. That just that's just any mm -hmm. job at all. Um, but I found that working with the children brought so much joy, and because they are open and vulnerable for the most part, um, you know, when they're when they're that age, I'd say. Uh, middle school and younger, you know, middle school, I think, is when they start to lose some of that, that innocence, but um, it's still there. You still see sparks of it. That's and, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Working, working with those kids is so joyful. And um, I'm really glad that, that Jesse's mom was involved in that and that Jesse felt called to do that because there is so much joy and, and, and not only in what they can teach us about being open and vulnerable, but in um, just being children of God, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's part of the, the openness and the vulnerability for sure. But being able to witness them experience God's love and experience um, just what it's like to be a child of God and, and, and in, a, in a very simple way and and I that's that's one thing I do miss about working with kids because I love that openness I love that vulnerability I love just seeing the world again through their eyes through their fresh innocent eyes and mm -hmm. um and again not not all I mean every every child you know Susan you know this because you worked with that population not every child is is you know fresh and innocent um like like these kids you know that Jesse's describing They've, right. they've been hurt, but bringing them back to healing, if, if it's possible to do that in a, in a setting where they experience God's love is just um, transformational for, for both, for both of us, right? For me, yeah. watching yeah. them. I mean, I, I've certainly, um, a lot of that work was um, 
I don't want to say toxic, but it took its toll. It takes its toll on your soul when you recognize the depth and the breadth of the damage that is done to children. Um, but but seeing them restored to to a sense of of their origin uh, as children of God, uh, and seeing that healing happen, and seeing the lights come back on in their eyes, that is also very moving. Um, and yes, they lost their innocence, but and it, it and it can never be completely restored, but there can be healing and to and to see that uh, that joy and that sense of knowing who they are and whose they are, uh, that that had I, I had some very rewarding moments in my work with them. Oh, excellent! I'm so glad that those children are so lucky to get to work with you, Susan. I mean, just I feel um, I feel glad that that God put you there at that time. And, it was and definitely the, part of my own formation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Kids make the greatest teachers, don't they? They do. <laughs> yes. And and what about that comment by the mom at the end who said, oh, thank goodness. I thought they hated each other. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> Susan, I know you have kids and I have kids and Jordan, you you were a kid at one time. And, and I know your brother and you <laughs> have gotten into it over the years. Right. Yes. Right. Of course. But, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but seeing seeing that for that mom to be able to to witness that what a gift you know to think yeah go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean i wasn't trying to interrupt you but when i when i hear that i just i wonder how many times like when god sees us coming together as community and says my, my god i thought i thought they hated each other do you know what i mean because we have these brief moments in our week where we can we can enter into this leveling space in our church communities and really function as community if we're doing it right. And, and, and then, and then we go back out in the world and it's hard, and it becomes more difficult, you know, and, and there's kids that were at the summer camp that I noticed they opened up over repeated exposure to that kind of community over a long period of time. But we just more often than not get these little glimpses of it uh, as when we come together. But um, yeah, it's like, Oh, thank goodness. I, I thought they hated each other. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't help but think about that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I had a um, a priest say to me once, um, we were talking about how God views us, just like you were saying, Jordan, how God views us in his, in his, as his people. And, and he was talking about um, some parishioners, and actually, it was one of the parishioners he was talking about, he's like, can't you just get along, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, yeah, I bet God thinks about that a lot, too, why can't you just get along, you know, because mm-hmm. to an outsider, it seems so trivial, but to the people who are involved, you know, when, when those two brothers are probably fighting over some toy, it's everything, right, but mm-hmm. as a parent, or as God, or as a priest, or whatever, you stand back and think, why can't you just get along, yeah. And yeah. then I find myself thinking of the quintessential sibling rivalry stories, you know, Cain and Abel and Jacob and Esau. And yeah. it's almost as if, as if it's in our nature not to get along. Yeah. yeah. Although with Jacob and Esau, there was a bit of a reconciliation there at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, uh, and, and I wonder if those, you know, that the little boy, the little, the littlest one of the two brothers he may not have a conscious memory of that for the rest of his life, but he's going to, in his bones, he's going to know yep. that mm-hmm. his brother loves him. Yes. You know? And so I, 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 I believe that that's going to stick with him his whole life. Yeah. And, and, 
Yeah. You're right. It'll be in his bones. His body will remember for sure. Yeah. 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 Because even if even if even if he just found the language for it there, it existed before that Sunday school class. You know, it it existed, and and even if he forgets the language because it's so young, it it will still be there after the Sunday school class too. Right. Right. Yeah. So if I if I could bring up one thing in the story that we we haven't talked about yet that um, just really stuck with me because I think it's also an issue that um, that I struggle with. But um, when Jesse talked about you know finally feeling like she got rooted in a parish or in a community and was an acolyte and made some friends and then suddenly they're on the move again, um, I just I um, I remember when I. Um, when I moved to Indiana, and that was when I got in the ordination process myself, and, and I was in a parish that I loved a lot, and yet I was on track to become ordained, and suddenly uh, I realized, you know, I was looking around at people that had been members of the parish for 30, 40, 50 years, and it suddenly occurred to me, that's never going to be my experience. I'm never going to get that rooted in a parish because I will always be a bit uh, in exile, I think it's, it's almost, um, you know, never a homecoming and Jesse really longed for it and didn't get it herself. And yet I think that uh, this might not be a, a fully formed thought, but I think that's what she recognized in those brothers, that they had that sense of being at home and being in community. And that was one of the greatest treasures and worth selling the the whole field for, but um, like I said, this is not a fully formed thought, but I just, I didn't want to let the uh, the afternoon go by without pointing out how much Jesse really wanted that sense of community. And as a Christian, often we're not, we're not given that because um, of the work that Christ calls us to do. And, and he himself speaks of not having it when he says foxes of holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his his head. Um, we're we're all on a journey, and uh, we're headed to home, but we're not there yet. Mm. Mm, absolutely. You know, I think about how when you're moving from church to church, you think how wonderful it would be to stay. And and of course, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different for kids because they're making their friendships and that kind of thing. And as adults, we right. kind of have lives. But um, I I also know the opposite of that is true, too. When people are in a church for 30, 40, 50 years, and they think, oh, I'm so tired of these people. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) exciting is happening here, right? We were more like the church down the street. Uh, You know, maybe we would, you know, it would, it would liven my faith up a little bit. But you know, there are people who go chasing after the ice cream truck from church to church to church, and they the try to grass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and I suspect what they don't realize is they need to stop and look in the mirror and say, yeah. "Okay, maybe the problem mm-hmm. is right here." You know, maybe right. I'm the maybe I'm being called to live in this place up. I'm being right. called to have the yeah. ice cream. Yeah, absolutely. Well, any last thoughts before we before we leave this this conversation of Jesse's story? It's been a great conversation. Thank you. It 
is. You're welcome. I'm so grateful to both of you for joining me in this. I, I know you're two of the busiest people I know. And so I'm so grateful <laughs> to take this time to do this. So thank you so much. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both. And, um, and I thank hope you, you have a wonderful and blessed rest of your day. You too, Marie. Good to see thank you. Good you. to meet you, Jordan. It was nice to meet you again. Absolutely. Have a good day. I'd like to give a shout out of thanks to our storyteller, Jesse, my co-host, Jordan, and our special guest, Bishop Susan Haynes. Extra special thanks to our audio engineer, Father Tom Adamson. Thanks for making us sound better than we really do. If you like what you hear, let us know. Please subscribe and share and leave a review. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and on our website, dovefaithcafe.org.